Hello, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Uh, it is Wednesday, June 21st, 2017, and this is the Promotional Law Practice Live Chat here on MMAFighting.com. I am Luke Thomas. I am the host of this podcast and many others. Now, you might be looking at this saying, Luke, this looks a little strange. Uh, it is strange. I'm actually in the uh, SiriusXM headquarters in New York City. I'm here for Bellator NYC, and... Um, this was my, I was going to do this from my hotel room, but the connection's bad. Connection here is not great, but it's better. But I'm in some kind of like makeshift studio. So it just looks a little weird for today. But we'll be back to normal back home next week. And um, yeah, if that's what you're seeing, that's what you're getting. We'll go for about 90 minutes today. We're talking about, I mean, you can imagine all the big stuff. Mayweather McGregor, Bellator NYC, Bellator 180, which is the same thing, but not really. There's also the Oklahoma City card, which is getting kind of slept on a little bit. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Best place to get your questions, and of course, is going to be on MMAfighting.com. There's this is embedded in a win. Uh, this is a, uh, embedded in a um, on a post there, and in the comments of that post is where all of the best questions typically end up. So without further ado, let us go check those questions out. Uh, by the way, rest in peace to Prodigy. Of Mob Deep tragically passed away yesterday at the age of 42. Uh, Hell on Earth, still one of, uh, what I have to say, what is my favorite Mob Deep song? Um, people always say Shook One's part two, but I don't, I don't think so. I have to think about it, but uh, it's, mm, Survival of the Fittest, maybe? I don't know. All right, here is a question that's about 45,000 words long. I'll try to read just some of this because it's way too long. Hi, Luke. Now that Mayweather versus McGregor is confirmed, curious to see how it will be covered by all the differing media outlets. Well, I'll tell you how this is going to be covered. It'll be covered in some ways, partisan lines, right? MMA guys are going to cover it for their own purposes, and that might be unfair or, you know, fair. Uh, Box is going to do the same. There'll be regional alliances, so... Um, I suspect here's my producer bringing me a coffee. Thank you. Executive producer. Yeah, executive producer. She's also my slave. Thank you. Yeah, no. Just don't listen to her. Um, in any case, so it'll be, here's what I'm pointing to. Mayweather versus Pacquiao was, I think, a, a bit of a roadmap in this. Um, I expect Irish media, I know this, they may not like hearing this, but I expect them to be total homers for Connor because this is such an unusual event and... They seem to have a real national sense that bleeds into their media. And America does too, don't get me wrong. But, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a problem of media generally, if I'm being honest. But I suspect, look, when Pacquiao fought, the Filipino media was, you know, total homers for him. When you get some of these smaller countries that has this really standout figure, that often happens, particularly in the sports world. And that's not the end. I'm not saying that's the end of the world either. I'm just saying that's something that you should, you should expect. So everyone's going to have a bit of an agenda or a bias or a slant or a objective they're trying to get out of this. They're going to want to tell a story that somebody isn't or an angle that somebody isn't telling enough of. Um, and so that's what you need to just, that, that's why it, it's really, generally this is true, but especially for this fight, it's going to be really important to get a nice um, cross-section of different media that you're consuming about this. If you're an MMA fan and you don't read boxing media, I encourage you to at least find a couple of guys, a Steve Kim, a Brent Brookhouse, um, you know, Kevin Ioli, some of these guys who you can, you know, look to to get some you know, level-headed analysis about this. Jonathan Snowden, 
there's a lot of guys like that. Um, so you can do that. And if you're not used to, as an American to reading European media, you should at least make some attempt to read what they're going to be saying, including Irish media as well, right? Because look, are they going to be homers for him? I think so. But at the same time, they probably will tell a story that you may not be able to get here. Um, so you should read them, right? And just use all of the differing perspectives and objectives and way in which they tell a story to give you a more nuanced picture because no one is going to tell it right. There is no one way to tell it right, to be honest. Uh, there's some good and some bad ways, and um, there can be some good and some bad articles, but just have a nice diversity, and I think that will benefit you in the long run. Uh, let's see. What significance do you place on the role of MMA media covering this boxing match? Well, they have the trickiest job, almost of all of them, because here we are in a scenario where our guy is, at least on paper, whatever that's worth, is terribly outmatched. And he may never compete for us again, and you have to wonder about what it says that his biggest fight can't even happen in, in MMA. You have to wonder what it says if he goes in there and gets embarrassed. There are some positives, of course, because if he goes out there and shocks the world, then I'm sure some of us will resort to saying, I told you so. Uh, I don't know that I'd be in a position to do that, but some others might. Um, I find that to be terribly unlikely, but it's certainly possible. But the role here will be, I think, primarily, a lot of people think they know Conor McGregor, and I don't think they do. For example, that mural he put up. Now, I don't know why he put the mural up. I haven't talked to him. But what that told me was something kind of interesting. Everyone's like, McGregor's taking this money just for the cash, right? He's going to get $100 million or whatever it ends up being. And look, of course he's taking the money for the cash. You think he'd fight Floyd for free? You think he'd fight Floyd for $10 million? Probably not. Part of what makes this a very attractive opportunity is it is a financial windfall, the likes of which he has literally never seen and may never see again. So who can possibly blame him for that? And yes, saying that is absolutely a factor. However, however, I've had people ask me, they'll say, look, do you think McGregor thinks he can really win? Yes. Yes, I do. If you guys think, or whoever out there is watching this, if you think that McGregor doesn't think he can win, you are very mistaken. And that mural up there is, yes, of course, visualization, training. But, I mean, like, ultimately, what is this fight about? Right? What is the one real element to this fight? This fight has all of the bad things that Mayweather Pacquiao had, which is to say, I think there's a natural level at which a fight can be made and be lucrative, but still have real sporting integrity. And at some point when it gets beyond those parameters, it becomes a fight for commerce. And that's no, there's no doubt that's what this is. However, what people fail to understand about Conor McGregor, and something I fail to understand about him, at least early on, is not merely in the power of um, you know, self-belief, but that this is a guy who has patterned himself after Floyd. And let me be clear about that. Am I saying that he borrows from Floyd or steals his style and things like that? No, that's not exactly what I'm saying. What I am saying is, though, you see this way in which he has watched Floyd navigate himself to the top of the combat sports space, and in Floyd's case, the top of the sports space in terms of being the highest paid athlete. I don't know if Conor will get there exactly, at least not for a sustained period of time like Floyd did, but, but the point is this. Conor wants to be Floyd. Not 
him directly. He wants to be the king. The king is Floyd. Floyd is the most successful combat sports athlete, at least promotionally, ever. And one of the most decorated from a sporting aspect. Connor wants to take his place. Now, you might say, well, he has no chance. And you might say that's crazy thinking or whatever, whatever, whatever side you want to take on this. Maybe you think it's great. I don't know. I'm not here to, to, to weigh in on that necessarily. What I am saying to you, though, is when, he, when I saw that mural, it was a reminder to me of, look, you might think he's outmatched. I might think he's outmatched. You might think he's going to win. I don't know. But in here, this is where he wins all the time. He fundamentally believes he can win because he fundamentally wants to make being the top guy in the combat sports space. That is his, that is his dream. That is his goal. He wants to take the throne from Floyd, right? That's ultimately what this is about. He wants to take that from Floyd. Floyd's had it for, you know, however long. And now a new guy is coming up, albeit from a different sport, albeit with his, the wind not at his back. But that's the goal here. A guy who has not had to work for promoters, but made promoters work for him in self-promotion, in carving out an identity, certainly one centered around money and achievement and sporting. Um, uh, you know, Floyd's results speak for themselves and, and Connors as well. But if someone asks you, oh, this is just a money grab, well, it's, it's absolutely a money grab. I mean, there's no, there's no argument to the contrary. But at the very root of this for Connor, at the very root of this is the belief that he is the next king of combat sports. He is going to be the next guy who on that Forbes list for at least for one year is going to be the highest paid athlete. He is the guy who wants to take Floyd's place. And what better way to take the king's place than by killing him? And that mural out there is a testament to that. Or it could be a mural, you know, a mural to fail as well. I mean, if he winds up going and gets embarrassed, he's going to look like Edmund Tarverdi and having himself up on his own gym uh, in that way. So he risks embarrassment to an extraordinary degree here. But um, I guess that money will help ease the pain. But you get the idea. Our job is going to be telling that story. Our job is going to be is going to be giving perspective and, and defense, I think, to MMA because from what I've seen. Everyone out there is just like crushing MMA on, you know, oh my God, these guys are, I mean, it's not quite as bad as it was back in 2006, but it's not good. You know, people just fundamentally don't understand MMA and they, they may, ne they may never understand MMA because people think they know fighting and they think they know boxing and they think they know MMA. Most people don't know anything about any of those things. Even people who are casual observers dedicated casual observers so that's you're asking me what i see as my role i don't know but i feel like correcting misinformation about connor and correcting misinformation about mma is something i'm kind of focused on and i'll also tell you i think there's a, a big a big job of the mma media is needs to be correcting mma fans who are talking about boxing when they don't watch boxing and they don't know the first thing about boxing I made a joke about it because I thought it would be like a rare thing. The someone asked on this live chat, you know, can you do throw a spinning back fist in 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 boxing? And I thought that was like a one-off. Can I tell you guys something? I must have had 40 people reach out to me and ask me the exact same thing. There is a shocking amount of ignorance about boxing inside the MMA space. Now, are those the same people? 
that are opining about Floyd? I don't know. And I don't think there's anything wrong with asking that if you don't know what the answer is, right? Like there's no dumb question if you're just looking for information. What I think I would object to are the folks that are like, you know, I, I think Connor's going to land that left. And oh, by the way, can he throw a spinning breakfast? I mean, you have just totally invalidated your opinion about Floyd immediately. Um, there's a lot of guys in MMA who, and, and look, I have no perfect knowledge. No one has perfect knowledge. We need to, we collectively, you, me, everybody, we can do a better job of understanding boxing. We can do a better job of understanding why it is the way it is and why it works the way it does and how Floyd got to where he got and why it's different from MMA and certain technical. We, we, we can take this opportunity to learn more. I also think MMA media has a role in that and boxing media as well, too. At least the ones that are earnest and well-intentioned about it. So um, I hope that answers some of the questions here. And lastly, how difficult do you think it will be for MMA media members to get credential? Well, I don't think it'll be an MMA issue or not MMA issue. I think it'll be merely um, Mayweather-Pacquiao put a cap even on major outlets about how many people they could send. Uh, part of that whole, uh, what was it? Uh, was it Rachel Nichols and Michelle Beadle had trouble getting credentialed? And I know everyone was like, well, that's because they ran up against um, Floyd's promotion team for asking questions about domestic violence. That might be true. In fact, it's probably true. But what I can also tell you is there were very, very few media spots, even for outlets like ESPN, SB Nation. We had our, God, you don't even know the half of the issues we had covering that. Um, New York Times was telling me they had limited, I mean, every, I mean, if the New York Times and ESPN are having a cap on how many people they can send, that, I think that's the bigger issue. And I think this will be just like that too. Um, how do you think Dana will approach this given this frosty relationship with the MMA media? No idea. What are you expecting as an MMA journalist in the lead up to this event? I am expecting, I am saying, um, I'm expecting craziness. I'm expecting craziness. All right, well, here's another one. Thanks for sharing Sean Price's definition of God yesterday. Can I read you guys some lyrics from this? This is like one of the coolest things Sean Price has ever said. He's got a new album coming out, Imperious Rex, on August 8th, I believe. Listen to this. Sean Price, King Kong in the place, big gun, watch the bullet bing bong in your face. First of all, that's great. Murdered the bastard, he murders the surgery, plastic, face reconstruction when they ate, heating something. Okay, this is the one. Touch you bad when you hit with the hard hawk. Pee. My knuckles drag when the god walk. <laughs> that, that might be the coolest thing anyone's ever said. I love his use of gorilla imagery. I, I've always have. I like using it too. Um, you know, the whole album of Mike Tyson has uh, all those gorillas knocked out and he's standing there all bloody. Uh, I, I miss Sean Price so much. Uh, if Conor McGregor beats Floyd Mayweather, which I don't think, because if he does, I'll start questioning my very established views of how this world works. How many more MMA fighters will start campaigning or boxing matches and will also be more boxers do so as well? So how much crossover will there be? This is a good question because what you're seeing now is like, you know, um, Steve Miocic calling out Anthony Joshua and Cub Swanson and Pauline Malignaggi have gone back and forth. And who else has been out there? Um, you had Adrian Broner calling out Nate Diaz. I think a couple of things. 
like I'm not rooting for any outcome here. My only, my only, this is just me personally. My only request is that nothing bad happens such that it affects the sport. And of course, I don't want anyone to get like seriously hurt. I mean, that's a given, right? But I'm just saying beyond that, I don't care if Connor wins or loses. I just don't want anything bad to happen to the sport. That's, you know, so that's, if people ask me, are you rooting for Connor? No, but I'm rooting for him to do well enough such that just, just don't damage the larger thing. And it may not. I mean, there's a very good chance it won't actually. But, um, but there's part of me is like, there's a, I'm not saying this is true, but there's a, I'm not, I'm not going to come up here and lie to you either. There's a part of me that's like, I want this to go so that people stop doing this. Right. Like you want someone to like, you want it to be very definitive for Floyd so that we stop this nonsense about fighters, MMA fighters calling out boxers in boxing contests. In, in what is in all likelihood, even if Connor has success, I think we can all agree this is generally not going to go our way, right? Let's let's even posit that Connor, you know, does the impossible, right? Do we really think that also uh, MMA fighters just the world's been confused that a sport that people pick up from the age of eight or even earlier and fine tune until their mid-20s up to their 30s so they have 20 almost 30 plus years of this that somehow they've all been in a global sport that has an enormously high participation rate that their skill level has been overvalued i mean that seems insane to say there's a big debate actually in the weightlifting community about that well, not a debate but there's this rivalry in the weightlifting community about this right there's a difference between weightlifting and the stuff you see in the olympics snatch the clean and jerk that kind of thing and uh powerlifting powerlifting is a thing where guys get into it they're different lifts right there's okay so the three lifts and just follow me here because this is all related there's powerlifting deadlift bench squat weightlifting basically the snatch and the clean and jerk right that's what there used to be different ones but that's that's the way it works now what you're getting from powerlifting is powerlifting doesn't have a nearly the same kind of global appeal, and it doesn't have it, get, it doesn't get people early in their like development and then raise them up over time. What I'm pointing out is that the snatch and the clean and jerk. I mean, who's the best in the world at that? Well, you can say the Chinese, the Georgians, the Colombians, um, things like the the Japanese are pretty good at it. Uh, it's a huge global sport where people start young. The lifts are more technical. They require way more motor recruitment. And so um, powerlifting is something people get into like in their, in their teens and 20s. And so it has this interesting appeal and its accessibility, but it's not, it's not nearly as technical. Now, that's not exactly the same thing as boxing and MMA, but here's my point. There's another thing about boxing that no one seems to understand. Boxing has just, what, four punches? Jab, cross, hook, uppercut. Now, you can apply those in a gazillion different scenarios. Those are your four main, your four only really uh, attacks. But the level of refinement in and how precise a jab has to be. I don't know anyone who's got a super precise jab in MMA. And there's some guys who have some good ones. Rory McDonald's got a good one. Neil Magny's got a good one. I'm telling you, the, 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 the level of specificity, because it's so limited, and because people start early, and because there's a century of best practices, and because there is this formalized system to advance careers through an amateur system into professional, you have this entire machinery working. It develops guys who are super, super, super technical.
That is very different than a collegiate wrestler matriculating over and learning how to strike in his 20s. They're not going to be as good. They're just not. It's not possible. It's not possible to just cheat development like that. Um, but we can also say MMA is a much more, I would argue, advanced form of combat where, yes, my jab is not precise, but I don't need it to be because I've got leg kicks, takedowns, guard passes, the works. I don't need, it turns out we don't need to have a jab as, as precise as that. But if you're going to take away those things and then go to the world of boxing, you know, John Kavanaugh has talked about this where he's like, we don't have to worry about jujitsu and wrestling and everything. I'm like, well, okay, but this is addition by subtraction, man. Because, yeah, you don't have to worry about kickboxing or jiu-jitsu or wrestling, but the kind of boxing they're doing over here, 30-year development behind a jab, 30-year development behind ring generalship and how to cut angles and everything, you, you want to, I mean, that's, that, that seems a lot. It seems a lot. I'm sort of meandering here. I'm just pointing out the global nature of boxing with its hierarchy, with its enormous participatory rates with its centuries of best practices developed that is to go and cross over into that that is a herculean task uh, of epic proportions so to answer the question i don't think over time we're just going to say we can cheat development and that a bunch of mma fighters are going to go show off and crush a bunch of boxers it is not going to go that way if Connor gets pulls it off, then good for him. But just about no one else is. Everyone else is going to get washed. So part of me wants this to stop before it starts. But I guess the that barn, or I guess that uh, toothpaste is out too. We'll keep asking about Donk Donkerson versus Rick Rickerson. UFC made the Cyborg Anderson title fight on UFC 214 as a backup in case Jones DC fell through again. True or false? Probably true. Also, how do you think this fight is? Do you think this fight is too soon for Megan Anderson? I feel like this fight probably should happen a couple of years from now. Yeah, that, that's sort of where I am. I mean, Megan Anderson is obviously extremely talented, guys. I mean, let's just be real. If you've seen her strike, she'll put it on. And she appears to just love to push forward in the pocket. I think it'll make for an exciting fight with Cyborg, no doubt about it. Um, the big concern is that if she takes a beating, will it stunt her development? I don't know. Oh, by the way, speaking of Cyborg and going into someone else's world, Cyborg, who just crushes people in in MMA. What happened when she went and fought Yorina Bars? She got tuned up because that's what's going to happen when you face somebody really good in their game if that's not what you do. Right? And that's kickboxing, which is a closer relative to MMA than even boxing. The other part of this that we don't even talk about is like MMA and MMA has sports that orbit it that we have a closer proximity to. Jiu-Jitsu, wrestling, and kickboxing. Boxing, we have, the, the communities don't intermingle all that much. They, they, they're much more connected um, between kickboxing and MMA. Boxing has always been seen as a, a very distant, separate entity in any event. Um, back to Megan Anderson, the only issue is there's some defensive lapses there. She can be hit. She has been often hit. Um, she's still, you know, offense often comes first, defense kind of, kind of comes second in, in development, and I think you're seeing that. So to me, in two years, it'll be a very different fight. Maybe it's not the end of the world if she loses and you know gets back on her feet, or maybe she wins. You know, maybe we're maybe we're overselling this to some extent. But um, you know, in a perfect world, yeah, it, it would need to happen later because she's obviously got skills, no doubt about it. But Cyborg seems like a tall order for someone who is still putting their game together. 
free Barbus. Barbus is uh, at home today. Very cute picture of my dog. Hey, Luke, how much effect do you think retirement and age had on Floyd's chin? Almost none. I've heard many fighters say their strong chins depend on physical preparation very much. It's not something they were born with. I've heard both, but okay. Do you think he'll be prepared like he was for any of his fights so far? Has he been training properly during his time off? Floyd doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He appears to be a womanizer. If you guys follow Floyd on Instagram, all he does is keep talking about some strip club called Girl Collection, which I'm guessing he has a financial interest in because he won't stop talking about it. Otherwise, I don't think he would talk about it at all. Or maybe he's an owner. I, I don't know. But it, like, go check out his Instagram. He, like, he cannot stop talking about this strip club called Girl Collection. And then he's like, oh, happy birthday to my daughter. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, but no, uh, he takes impeccable care of himself. And Floyd has barely been hit in his career. Barely. Doesn't take a lot of damage in the gym. Doesn't take a lot of damage in the ring. Takes good care of himself. Trains like a absolute savage. I don't think... It, look, if Floyd gets crushed, it'll be because he just got crushed. It's not because he's got a bad chin. If, y'all, if, y'all, if you're counting on Floyd's chin to fail him, you're going to be very disappointed. Same question about reflexes, reaction time, and speed. 40 is an interesting number. You know, I guess we'll see. There's no way to know. Two years sounds like a lot of time off, but at the same time, he retired before, and he's taken long stretches between fights independent of that. So, uh, I'm like you, I'm curious. Like, will there be some kind of slowdown in reflexes in age? Here's the other thing you have to ask yourself. Connor's not a, a boxer. Even if Floyd has had a reduction in speed and reflexes, um, maybe that doesn't matter. Because he's fighting a guy who is categorically on paper, on paper, the easiest opponent maybe he's ever had. Sort of like a couple of fights during his pro debut. Um, that's what we're talking about here. So you might be right. You might be right that his reflexes have slowed. Uh, I can't rule it out. I just don't know that that matters. You know, we're talking about a guy who's not not a boxer. You know, uh, I don't I don't know how much it really makes a difference. That is terrible coffee she brought me. Jesus Christ! All right. Did your interview with Canelo feel surreal? No. I don't get starstruck anymore. Does interviewing a massive boxing star feel different than a big MMA fighter? Um, a little. Canelo's bigger than most. You know, he's on there doing commercials for beer with Sylvester Stallone. So he's pretty big. The only thing I care about, I'll be honest, is I want to I wanna enjoy the interview and I want to ask good questions. And I don't always do that. Uh, it's not possible to always do that. Uh, I had Ice Cube today, and I mispronounced a couple of basketball players' names because I was trying to read through the sheet and I wasn't paying attention. And I clearly got them wrong, so you'll hear that later. But um, but that's all I really care about. I want I want to do quality work. I don't I don't really focus on the celebrity as such. It doesn't. I, I don't feel anything, but it was weird because he comes, you know, these big, these big time celebra- celebrities, they come with uh, like 50,000 people in tow and you have no idea what any of them do. I mean, well, okay. We had one guy who was a translator. I got that. You know, Golovkin had an entourage too, man. He had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven or eight guys with him. And 
how many did I, let's see, uh, Canelo had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven or eight as well. <laughs> Apparently seven or eight is the magic number if you're a super famous fighter, I don't know. Um, but no, I just wanted to go in there and, and I wanted to just have a good conversation, man. That's really what it's all it's about. Like, I'm sure I'd get starstruck if I had to interview like Ronaldo or something or Messi or something like that, but it doesn't, the only thing that feels different is the entourage and then these guys have their own cameras and it's just a big, it's a big event, but I don't like talking to them. The world sort of just closes in when you talk to them. I don't really feel anything. This is for the UFC 213 main card. I will get to those later. Northcutt versus MacDessie. Luke, what do you think about John MacDessie being the replacement for Sage Northcutt's opponent? I feel like Sage has more than a puncher's chance here, but ultimately I think this is too steep of competition for him at this point. It looks to me like they're punting on him. There's no way you can look at this and say, not that Northcutt can't win, because I agree with you. Everyone's got a puncher's chance. I think he's got more than a puncher's chance. I'm with you. But ultimately, I do also favor John McDessie. He has fought much tougher guys and beaten much tougher guys. So there's a problem there. But if you're looking at this, you have to ask yourself a question. What message are they clearly sending? Now, maybe you might be saying they're not sending any message, that they're just trying to fill a roster spot. I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. Um, if this was a real priority about a guy they wanted to develop, they would. They're not. It looks to me like they're moving past him. Here comes my sandwich that I cannot eat. Thank you. Let me just put that there. Oh, I don't have a spoon for your yogurt. That's fine. I can't eat it right now anyway. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're fired. All right. Um, I think they're moving past him, to be honest. Oftentimes, you'll see this. The UFC management will, not like the fighters management, but the UFC brass will sign a guy. And the matchmakers may or, not, may or may not believe in that person. And they may or may just make matches to make it hard for them or to give them a big test or just to usher them out of the way. This is, this is a very common thing. And I don't know that for a fact that's what's happening here, but that appears to be the most likely scenario is that somebody in that organization doesn't believe in him anymore and they're, you know, they're going to push him out. It, or he wins and, it, you know, he sticks it to him and it blows up in their face, one or the other. Or maybe he loses and they push him to that Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, which frankly is where I think he should be anyway. The kid's still putting his game together, man. He's super young. You know, he's still figuring out what team he's going to train with. He just left college. He just got his tonsils taken out, you know? But we got to, we got to, if he's going to be something, we got to, you know, figure that out. I mean, they gave him somebody who he can strike with. Okay, that's not nothing, but you get the idea. Brendan Schaub is on record even offering a bet that McGregor will win rounds. Now, he put round and then a parentheses S. Do you agree? Well, I wouldn't bet. I mean, if there is one fight I'm not betting on, I know some people will believe McGregor's going to go in there and snatch his soul. I understand that. I know there are some people out there being like, oh, my God, bet on Floyd. This is the easiest money you'll ever make in your life. I understand that. But to me, we are in in unusual circumstances, this is about the last fight that I want to do any betting on personally. So no, I would not, 
I don't, I'm not interested in betting in any capacity one way or the other. Um, but to the question, do I think McGregor will win, win rounds? Probably not. Probably not. I find that a little hard to believe, but, um, you know, to me, it's less, it's not an issue of yes or no. It's about what kind of probability do you want to put on it? Because the probability is not zero, right? So it's higher than that. So to me, it's low, you know, probably less than a 5% chance he wins a round, but do I know that? I don't know that. I don't know what's going to happen, you know? So I would say, no, I don't, I don't think he'll win a round, but I have, I'm, believe me, I am not giving you betting advice. And if you disagree, I completely understand that. This is the funny thing about that, right? Because everyone's like trying to come up with sporting examples. And I had King Mo on my show and he was like, okay, you know, imagine an incredible NFL wide receiver who runs like a gazelle. So let's say Julio Jones. What can Julio Jones do? First of all, he's got incredible breakaway speed. Um, you know, he can go forwards, backwards, side to side. He can leap. He's got incredible vertical uh, jumps. Right? Julio Jones is a absurd athlete, right? Now, can he go beat Usain Bolt in a race? No, of course not. Like, Usain Bolt will smoke him like, like a half-smoke in D.C. Are you kidding me? Please. Usain Bolt would eat his lunch money or take his lunch money, eat his lunch, whatever. I'm tired. Here's what you need to understand. None of those comparisons will work. I've, uh, Andy Lee made one. It's like this is a triathlete and uh, going to try and swim against Michael Phelps. You're not going to beat Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps is going to torture you. But the one thing that none of those analogies have that really makes it work is the ability to have a knockout punch. On an instant, you can just go. You can just go. No other sport has that off switch. You know, imagine if someone hit a home run and baseball game's just over, right? And that could be the first pitch of the, the beginning of the game. So someone hits a home run, game over. Imagine if it was that. It'd be something closer to that. But swimming doesn't have that, and running doesn't have that, right? So do I think that Mayweather's going to win more rounds? Yeah, if not all of them, of course. But the one thing about fight sports that makes any kind of these analogies ultimately fail is the off switch option. Um, and you can get lucky and hit the off switch. You don't even need necessarily skill, although against Floyd that seems unlikely, but you get the idea. So whenever someone brings up these analogies, they make sense to me, but I understand why they're ultimately unconvincing. Because what you really need is some kind of comparison where once this you know happens, the show closes, even if it's very early in the contest. And none of those sports have that. And so people are just like, well, okay, but but about the left, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, he was also, quote, disappointed that Luke and Ariel are so critical on the matchup. Uh, quote, guys, we've arrived. Well, I'll have to see what he said. I mean, I like I like Brendan Schaub a lot, and his career is like he's killing the game right now. So I'm obviously very happy for him. I haven't actually – I've heard some good things about some of the things he's tried to do in terms of, like, making the case for Connor. Um, I, I will make it a point to go check those out. I've not seen them just because I've been so busy, but, uh, I will check those out. Look, Brendan Schaub's a smart guy. You know, he's a smart guy. He is, this is my point. Go get a diversity of opinion. That's what you need. You need a diversity of opinion. I always appreciate everyone listening to mine. It makes me very happy. Of course, I'm very happy to have you here, but I'm not the only guy you should be listening to. You should go listen to Brendan Schaub and you should go listen to a boxing cynic. You should go listen to Max Kellerman. And then you should go, you know, whoever, and then try to form your own composite sketch of what you think is going to happen. See how it matches against reality. See what you missed. See what you got right. And then the 
repeat over and over and over and over again. That's how you ultimately wind up getting things more right than not. But there's no guarantees, man. There's no guarantees, especially in a sport where one of these comes upside your dome and closes the show. Someone says, Big Brown deserves a Giblert Award for being so disingenuous, which reminds me, Luke, can you please give out a weekly Giblert Award to the comment that deserves it the most? Well, I give it to you, sir, since you spelled it Giblet. Here we go. Connor's advantages over a normal boxing contender. This, this should be nothing on this paper, but okay. Let's see what he writes. Quote, obsessive championship caliber work ethic. That is not in any way unusual. World-class nutrition, strength, and conditioning. Not unusual. Weight management. Not unusual. Experience in huge fights. I mean, please, guys. Jesus Christ, do you watch any boxing? Great chin. Sure. Okay, but that's not... So what? Canelo has a ridiculous chin. Floyd is not going to sting the shit out of you. That's not how he's going to win. I talked to Canelo yesterday. He's like, I asked him what was so hard about it. He's like, Floyd is a guy. This is what he said. He goes, Floyd is a guy who is absolutely content to win around because he landed three more punches than you. No, he, has, he has no problems doing that. So, yeah, Connor does have a good chin. All right. Intelligence. Oh, my God. Do you people know anything about who Floyd Mayweather has fought? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, my God. I cannot deal with some of you guys. Seriously. Let's go through Floyd's mother-effing record, shall we? For just a second here. Because apparently some of you are just deeply unfamiliar with it. So let's start right around when he started fighting for titles. This was his 18th fight. Uh, let's see. Angel Manfredi, Carlos Rios, Justin Juco. Carlos, uh, uh, I can't pronounce his donk's name. Gregorio Vargas, Emmanuel Augustus. By the way, Emmanuel Augustus is nasty. Diego Chico Corrales, Carlos Hernandez, Jesus Chavez, two times. Jose Luis Castillo, uh, Victoriano Sosa, Philip Endu, Demarcus Corley, Henry Brussels, Arturo Gatti, Sharmba Mitchell, Zab Judah, Carlos Baldemir. Oscar De La Hoya, Ricky Hatton, Juan Manuel Marquez, Shane Mosley, Victor Ortiz, Miguel Cotto, Robert Guerrero, Canelo Alvarez, two times, Marcos Maidana, Manny Pacquiao, and Andre Berto. Are you out of your mind that you think, let me go back to this, none of those guys had obsessive championship caliber work ethic, world-class nutrition, strength and conditioning, weight management, experience in huge fights, great chin and intelligence. All of those guys had that. In boxing. This is what I'm talking about. Guys, please. Please, please, please. You cannot be serious that you think this is the first guy who managed his weight well and knew how to his way around a ring. Conor McGregor does not know his way as well around a ring as, I don't know, Shane Mosley, Juan Manuel Marquez. Baldemir, do you think he's better than Carlos Baldemir? Come on, come on. What are you saying? Please, this is insanity. This is total insanity. The argument you have to make is that he's got all those things, yes, certainly no more so than the other opponents he's faced, but that he's able to do something different that we can't anticipate. That's the space you have to leave. You have to leave and you say, I don't know. This is my answer. Can Conor McGregor win? I don't think he can't, but I don't think he will, but absolutely he can. But how he's going to get there, 
I think he's going to have to show us something he hasn't shown before. He's going to have to do things we haven't seen him do, which I think he's capable of. You can put a probability on that, but not that he has things that none of these guys did. That's a, that's a totally indefensible statement. Totally indefensible. Please go watch, for the love of God, not just as you, everyone, go watch Mayweather's fights. Well, I find Mayweather boring. I find Mayweather boring. I still go watch them so I understand what's going to, well, I hope to have an understanding of what's going to happen. At least it informs your opinion. And if you think Conor McGregor is the first guy to have, like, he really hustles out there, y'all. He's like Pete Rose. I'm at a loss for words. Is the title stripping of Jermaine Duran to me a just one? Yes. And will she be a case study on what not to do as a new champion? Yes. All that, yes. Um, the answer there is that UFC had no choice. UFC had no choice, man. They had no choice about what they could do, about what they should do. No choice. They left it. Look, this is, this is super clear. Cyborg is not only the number one contender. She is also the money fight. So whatever path you wanted to say, I want to pursue this, right? I want the number one contender, but she's not the money fight. Or I want the money fight even if it's not the number one contender. You lose either way here. She's both. So if you're not willing to fight her, you're, you're, take, <laughs> you're just taking away every option the UFC has. If one was a UFC top contender, but there was another fight that was big, you could be like, mm. Or if there was a big fight, but it wasn't number one contender, you could be like, mm. She's both, by, by, by a country mile. She is clearly the number one contender, and she is quite clearly the biggest fight financially that she's going to have. So saying you're not going to fight that person is just is just total... Uh, look, Jermaine Randomy had this really decorated career as a striker. In MMA, she's been a little more up and down. But she's obviously you know a very accomplished combat athlete. But when it came to championship responsibility in this scenario, she just totally abdicated her responsibility. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. right? This is the clear... No doubt about it, this is the only path she could have had. And to say no to that is just simply to say no to the responsibility of holding that belt. It's, it's, she left the UFC no choice whatsoever, none. Do you think the UFC could use a similar excuse to strip Mighty Mouse of his title if he doesn't fight TJ? No, because TJ hasn't ever fought at Flyweight. Pretty simple. Gastelum versus Weidman. Do you think that Kelvin has some of the best boxing in the middleweight division? Sure. Who has a better jab, Kelvin or Mousasi? Ooh. Historically, historically, the, the jab has been more important to Mousasi. Um, but he can be countered off of it as well. That's a little more central to his game. Uh, let's see how he does in this one, because I think the jab is just now coming into focus for Kelvin. Will Weidman land consistent takedowns, do you think? Consistent, maybe, but I think it's going to be a lot of Kelvin getting back up. We'll see. Can you do a quick breakdown of how you think this fight plays out when we get closer to fight time? Sure. Who do you think is next after Noon's Shevchenko? That division looks very shallow these days. Also, not much activity besides Holly Holm last weekend. They might put her back up there. Let's see what happens with Kat Zingano. I know that there's talks of her fighting at 145 against... You know, I guess the winner of Cyborg Anderson, I guess we'll see. But 
Uh, yeah, it looks a little thin. So uh, probably Holly Holm is your answer. I mean, that win was big for her. You'd be like, well, she doesn't deserve it. She find out. Let me see who's up there in the rankings. I haven't paid attention at all. That. All right, let's see. Women's bantamweight. Juliana Pena has some work to do. Raquel Pennington's there. Holly Holmes at five. Sarah McMahon, Katzengano. Yeah, it's about like that. It's about like that. July. Of all the fight cards in July, um, the Ultimate Fighter finale, 213-214, Scotland on Long Island. Which fight are you looking forward to the most? And what fight specifically? Well, it's got to be uh, Jones, DC. I mean, for me. I mean, it's a lot of good answers there. A lot of good answers. For me, it's just Jones, DC. No, no, no two ways about it, right? I mean, it's how it has to be. That's like one of the most important fights the UFC can make, period. Independent of year or weight class or anything. So for me, that's that. But there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of good ones. Um, do you like the new page layout? Yes. Do you also have problems with logging out? I don't ever log out, so no. People have been reporting that problem on BE ever since they implemented the new design, and I thought it would be fixed by the time we got it, but nothing has changed. I don't know. Um, I'll let folks know at the uh, at the um, tech help. I'll, I'll send them this comment and see what they can do about it. Will the MMA Fighting mobile app ever be updated? No. I've been telling you all that for a while. I don't know why people keep asking. It's not going to be. <laughs> it's not going to be updated. I mean, unless there's something I don't know, but that's what they've been saying for years. So, how did Maymac happen so quickly? It took Bob Arum seven years to make it. Two and a half years for Triple G Canelo. Is that ultimately why MMA had so much success? The flexibility to adjust and listen, for the most part, to fans. There's something to be said for that, sure. I also think Floyd is 40, doesn't want to wait too much longer. Connor probably doesn't want to waste part of his prime. So there was that financial incentive to just go ahead and get it done. They also were, were living in the shadow of Mayweather Pacquiao where we realized, um, you know, that gave it extra time to cook, right? But it ultimately soured people because there was such a buildup and such a letdown. So I think they realized we don't want to, you know, it was a cautionary tale, basically. And same for Triple G Canelo, like, you know, that fight did get made, and they didn't want to be in the shadow of that. They wanted to undercut it. Bernard Hopkins, was, I spoke to him yesterday, was not all that pleased about it, I can assure you. But, but um, I mean, look, boxing has a lot of poisonous relationships that are hard to overcome. MMA and boxing have a lot of rivalries, and they're competing for resources to an extent. To an extent. And to an extent, they're very much not. But I don't think they, they don't have a long history of guys in dealings together and then falling through, you know? Bob Arum and, and uh, Floyd Mayweather have a terrible relationship, right? There's poison there. I think that kind of thing makes progress harder. In this case, it's almost uh, tabula rasa, right? They're just, they're, there's no previous history of these guys working together for the most part. I mean, Espinosa and White, yes, but, um, but that was different. And you know, this is a chance to not make it water under the bridge exactly, but I just think some of the old bureaucratic hangups that boxing has that makes fights difficult to come by, those dynamics weren't in play here. And, you know, look, Connor and Floyd are good businessmen. These guys know how to make a deal, right? So, 
Give him credit for it. Look, is there a possibility we can give Mayweather and McGregor their own board so the front page can still be real MMA-related? And if you want to go discuss that circus, you click on the board and you can see all those hundreds of meaningless articles. Uh, no. No, that, that's not going to happen. Mm -mm. Here we go. Hey, Luke, slightly off topic here. I'm proposing to my girlfriend this weekend. I have it all set up. Just wondering how you popped the question to Mrs. Thomas. I am so not telling you this. And was it as nerve-wracking as I assume it's going to be? I'm already essing bricks. Well, first of all, congratulations. I'm not telling you details of my private life. And uh, you'll be fine. Have a plan. Stick to it. Execute it. And let us know how it goes. And if she says no, which I don't think she will, um, I'll give you a metaphorical shoulder to cry on. But I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting great success for you. Congratulations. Your life is now over. All right. Bellator 180. What fight are you most looking forward to this weekend at Bellator 180 and why? Uh, the James Gallagher, James Gallagher, however you pronounce it, versus uh, Chinzo Machida. And also Davis Bader. It's a big one too. But uh, for me, I'm kind of curious about what's going to happen with that Irish kid. and I want to see if this is a, too much of a jump or they're just the right kind. I want to see if this is really smart matchmaking by them. I think it is. It certainly feels that way. But that's the one I've kind of got my eye on. And there, But there's, there's a bunch of good ones. Let's go through that card here for just a second. That's what I want to see. So, we've got Heather Hardy, Alice Yager. No, I'm teasing. Uh, Neiman Gracie versus Dave Marfone, Marfoni. James Gallagher versus Chinzo Machida. And then Phil Davis versus Ryan Bader. So, yeah. Mine is the uh, Gallagher-Machida fight for sure. When will Woodley Maya get announced? I don't know. So Woodley called out Maya for 213. Now he is doing for 214 and still may not get a response from Demian. I understand Maya just fought recently, but when a champ wants to fight, shouldn't he just get a fight? Yeah, but they can't put it on. It's too late for 213. It's probably too late for 214. So it looks like 215, but they don't know what they're going to do with 215 now that McGregor Mayweather is happening. And after that, you've got Canelo and Triple G. So that's probably what the complication is. Is Wanderlei in Wanderlei? Is Wandy in New York yet? Yes, yes, he is. He was there with Fedor this morning at the hotel. Yes, he is. I saw Aaron Pico. We checked in at the hotel at the same time. That boy has some cauliflower ear up in there. Woo. Um. With him skipping everything, I'm really worried this fight won't happen. No, he's there. He's there. Uh, Canelo Triple G. After talking to them, what do you think will happen when the when the fight? Not sure what that question is. Also, after speaking to them both, what do you think of each man? They both seem like you know it's interesting. Both guys are kind of quiet. You know, they don't do a lot of a lot of talking. Um, but um, that fight is going to be all action, man. That fight is going to be, too, too, you know, if you think about it, what are the two most important divisions in boxing? Heavyweight and middleweight, arguably, anyway, middleweight. You know, I mean, uh, the number of guys from middleweight who have made a legendary name in, in boxing is endless. And some of the most important fights ever happen in that division, many of them. And uh, he, this will be just another one. Two guys who just come forward and bang it out. Actually, it was funny. I asked uh, Golovkin, I was like, look, man, I know you think you're going to win, but do you think you're going to come out of this fight? Not unscathed, but like, are you expecting to get marked up? He was like, oh, yeah, I'm expecting to get 
uh, hurt, you know. And I asked the same question of uh, Canelo. He was like, hopefully not, you know. So I guess we'll see. But neither guy thinks it goes the distance, you know. And I know sometimes a lot of guys say that very often, but you got a real sense of it this time. Uh, official prediction. I think, I don't know. I think Canelo wins, but I don't know. Do you think Canelo will mysteriously injure his foot so there's pay-per-view is not affected by Maymac? No. No, I don't think that. Those guys are out there hustling and promoting this, man. They were on first take this morning. They were in London a couple of days ago. They have to go to L.A. and do this all over again. It's a lot of work, man. I mean, of course, bad things happen, but I don't think they would intentionally, you know, move this at this point. They're, they're, they're stuck to that. Oh, by the way, I asked Ice Cube about um, August 26th. If you guys don't know, Ice Cube is launching a, um, a basketball league, three-on-three. Three. It's actually going to air on Fox Sports 1. The finale of the whole thing is August 26th at the T-Mobile Arena, right? Same day. So I asked him, hey, man, there's Mayweather McGregor coming up. Now, they initially put in for the um, MGM Grand Garden Arena, but everyone's saying it's at T-Mobile. He's like, it'll be at T-Mobile if they take care of me. So in other words, he, he was saying, I don't mind moving it to the MGM Grand, but they're going to have to make it worth my while. So seems like he's open to it, and I suspect it'll happen, but just keep your eyes on that one. Uh, if Chael Sonnen loses, hi Luke, if the great Chael P. Sonnen loses this weekend, do you think he will retire, and what do you think his legacy will be? I think if he loses badly, he might. I think if he loses badly, he might. Uh, but if he just loses and it's really close, and he actually looked a lot better this time, probably not. Probably not. But if he like goes up there and loses badly, I think he'll be ever forever tied to a guy who, I think, whether this is fair or not, is irrelevant. But I think he'll be viewed as a guy whose success was a function of uh, the TRT era. You know, and who always kind of came up short when it counted the most. People asking about the Ali Act. I don't think so. Larkin versus McDonald. If Larkin gets past Lima, I see if I'm between him and Roy McDonald, Roy McDonald going. I think Larkin can beat him. Larkin's takedown defense has gotten infinitely better. He's a lot quicker, a lot heavier handed. Uh, and, you know, the if McDonald can, you know, really press him up against the fence or get on top, then, of course, the, he'll win that handily. But Larkin's takedown defense has gotten good, not merely because he stops the takedown. But he is very good at stopping and separating. You know, I mean, folks forget he beat Jorge Masvidal on the way out. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty impressive. Um, but it'd be a very, very close contest because Roy McDonald can also strike with him too, you know. I'd be very, that's, that, that to me could be like one of the, like an incredible contest. Incredible contest. And I hope they sign Ben Askren and bring him back to Bellator too. Because I think they would make their welterweight division amazing, you know. Do you think Scott Coker is disappointed with the buildup and hype for this week's fight? I have to think that Coker and the rest of us figured there would be great media coverage of Son and Silva and the assumed social media feuds in the lead-up to this fight, but it's been almost radio silence from both. 
Do you think this will adversely impact the pay-per-view buy rate? And do you think Coker expected more from both guys as a means of getting additional unpaid coverage or promotion? I don't think so. It's a decent question, but I don't think so. Someone else says the whole, the whole entire sports world has been overshadowed by Maymac. I think that's the bigger issue. That has just swallowed everything else, and we're still pulling ourselves out of the cocoon of Mayweather-McGregor announcements, for crying out loud. And there will be this shadow on everything while this is happening. Um, that, to me, is the bigger issue. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm curious to see what the fan attendance is. You know, some of you guys saw that um, promotion they put out, buy three tickets, get one free. I don't know if that's still in play, but that was certainly something that happened. So that's kind of interesting. Um I mean, I don't think the buzz has been quite what what they expected, but they were able to use a lot from that press conference that they had however many moons ago. And I think that's been effective for them. Um, I don't know that I feel there's a ton of buzz in the city, but today's Wednesday. We'll see how I feel tomorrow and Friday. As soon as I leave here, I'm doing my radio show, and I'm going to have a bunch of these guys come through, so maybe I'll start feeling it then as well. Um, but there's a lot going on in the combat sports world, man. It's hard to stand out, you know, and I think they've done a pretty admirable job of using the resources they have, making the fights they can make, presenting to the, to the public in a way that they can. And sometimes these things take on a life of their own and sometimes they don't. And this is somewhere in between. I don't think it's been a bad promotion by any stretch. I just feel like there's been a lot of other factors that have quelled what could be ordinarily a greater level of enthusiasm. That's sort of where I stand on this one. Right. I don't know how the I don't know what the pay-per-view buy rate's gonna be. I guess we'll see. Okay, Luke, you made this is a good question. Luke, you made it clear how much you like Moro Ronaldo. I'm at a loss, this person says. He has the prosody of a clown badly imitating a sport commentator. He feels so incredibly contrived. Why are you fine with that? Well, because I don't think that's an accurate you know, representation of his abilities. To me, it simply ruins the entire experience and makes, the, makes me irreceptible to whatever massive knowledge he tries to convey. What am I not seeing here? Please elaborate, taking this into the equation, putting it in relation to the projected viewing target audience since it can't be me. In short, what besides his knowledge makes Morrow really the best option here? Apologies regarding eventual linguistic mishaps, second language. Okay. Uh, now I feel bad. Um, uh, well, it's not really that Morrow knows a lot. He is a polished broadcaster. You guys don't understand. There's, whenever you do a broadcast from beginning to end, especially if it's televised, right? With radio, it's different. But if it's televised, what happens is they give you this sheet. It's a production sheet. And elements you have to hit at certain times. Um, intervals and how long they have to be and how you have to carry the broadcast and how you have to take them and weave them and throw to somebody else and say something and accept a production element is all kinds of things where you you are you know in, in your mind you're flipping switches you're turning knobs and it all has to be done on time so first of all he has a deep knowledge of all these sports and he can do that third he has a voice uh, third he has a voice and I think fourth, 
yes, sometimes Morrow, you know, no broadcaster is perfect, and sometimes Morrow is prone to exaggeration, in, both in behavior and in things he says. Okay, that, that might be the one knock on him that I think folks could say, but to me, if he reins it in just a little bit, what you get is a clear presentation of the action, the kind of enthusiasm you want for a high-energy broadcast, somebody with a deep and intimate knowledge of the sports and its players, who can give you all the nuance that's required, who can handle production duties at the same time, and has this breadth of experience in the space. Guys, there's just no one else like it. There's just no one else like that. He's literally peerless. So if that particular kind of commentary style doesn't appeal to you, that's fine. People are going to have their preferences. Some people love Joe Rogan. Some people hate him. Some people like Joe Buck. Some people hate him. A lot of people hate him. Some people like Doc Emmerich. I think most people like Doc Emmerich. But I'm sure there's somebody out there who doesn't like Doc Emmerich. Um, everyone's got their particular things. But if you're just asking, like, what are the things you expect from a commentator to deliver? What does he have in meeting those? He's got all of them. And he's got some things that most guys don't. So uh, I, it, to me, it's, I mean, he is your clear number one choice. Best boxer in MMA. If you had to pick one MMA fighter to represent the sport against a high-level boxer in a boxing competition, who would it be? None of them. But do you guys remember uh, Jeremy Williams back in the day, half man, half amazing? He actually fought boxing professionally. Um, probably him. <laughs> um, Here's what people are saying. People are saying Cody Garbrandt. He had 31-1 amateur record, maybe. Justin Ledette. Mm, he's got a great job, but I don't know if he's my first choice. Edgar. Um, but I don't... Maybe an argument can be made for Cyborg. No. Holly Holm. Probably Holly Holm is a good one. Yeah. Holly Holm. Um, Mike Goldberg joining forces with Bellator. Catastrophe waiting to happen or a brilliant move by Coker? Could be both. But I covered that on last week's chat. But it's mostly a smart move by Coker. Um, Amanda Nunes and promotional malpractice. By hook or by crook, it has worked out that Nunes, or Nunes will headline two international fight week cards in a row. A little crazy, right? What are your thoughts on how the UFC has marketed her thus far and what they should be doing differently? I mean, I feel like they've... They did, they did a really poor job ahead of the Rousey fight. I mean, everyone knows that, right? They did just an abysmal job in thinking that Rousey was just going to run over her. So they paid for that. But they have put her on bigger cards. She has showed up at times. Um, she has done and tried to learn English. She does interviews in English. And they she does a lot of media. Um, they've put her against someone in a rematch who's also on the come up. I mean... They could be a little bit more aggressive with how much they're putting her out there, but you know they're putting her, to your point, on big cards. She has tried to put herself in a position to make use of it. You know How dynamic of a personality is she really? I don't know. So I feel it's probably about as good as it's going to get. Let's see. Well, let's return. Do you think Holm versus Koheo was a good fight? Huh, that's a good question. Someone says, I thought it was a horrible fight, and even the finish was more of a mercy on viewers. Instead of saying, wow, what a finish, it was more like, oh, thank God that's over. 
Well, I didn't watch it live, so I had a different experience than you. By the time I was watching it, I already knew what had happened. So I'm a little bit less inclined to say it was terrible because I was sort of watching things differently. Uh, yeah, it was not a great fight up until it, I mean, it wasn't a bad fight in the sense of, you know, it's just some sloppy, terrible, hard to watch brawl of nothingness. But it was uh, it wasn't a lot of activity, right? You you if you if someone had to ask you, you know, what's better, activity or less more activity or less activity, even if that activity is somewhat sloppy and you know poorly delivered, most fight fans I think are going to take that over less activity, you know. Because less activity is harder to judge. It just feels unsatisfying. It's hard to know what matters. In more activity, you can also get find a situation where it can be hard to judge. It's not like it's always better, but typically speaking, you, you just want to have more than less. And so in that sense, it was it was it was bad. But I gotta say that head kick finish was espectacular. I mean, it was fantastic and Ogabe Fetosa out there letting it be known he was the man I'm giving him a, a mention on my Monday morning analyst dude was a beast back in the day and that was such a fantastic head kick KO and when the question mark kick and um and that one left hand she used to sit her back down because she was doing that face like this because she was obviously rocked and then that, she put that left on her bro that was that finish was sweet you know the finish was obviously very very sweet but the fight no not great I think generally you want to speak on behalf, you want to lean towards more activity than less. Thoughts on uh, Ward Kovalev 2. What's next for Ward? Well, now he's pound for pound number one. We'll see what happens. Does he actually have a chance of beating Joshua? I don't think so. I think the weight disparity is way too much, but I guess we'll see. But um, Bernard, I actually spoke to Bernard yesterday. He didn't think the shots were low. I don't know what he, I disagree. Those shots were pretty clearly low. 20 weeks even taking to Twitter and being like, my bad. So I feel bad for Kovalev. I do think he was on his way out, and I do think he deserved an eight count, and I do think he probably should have taken a knee just to be safe. But I do think also that Ward seemed like he was on his way to winning. The way in which it ultimately happened at the end was very unsatisfying, but I think part of the reason why there's not – I mean, there's been a backlash, but I think it ordinarily would be more backlash, and the reason why there's less – is because I think most folks are like, if this was headed that direction kind of anyway, and that's not a good way to justify a fight, but, you know, sometimes that the that kind of feeling can just sort of take over uh, the way a fight is viewed or considered, you know. Do you trust the new sensors in the MMA gloves and shorts will give accurate live MMA stats, or will it be a bust? I'm not sure what you're talking about. Good question here. Hey, whether the convicted wife beater. Okay. Is it possible that Mayweather has an embargo in the contract where Connor can't bring up Floyd's convictions anytime before the fight? I have wondered about this. Let me ask you guys a question. This is something I've been thinking about too. Not merely will Connor bring it up, which, you know, we'll see. Ask yourself a question. Take out the name Floyd Mayweather. If a guy was a, let's say, a good prospect on the rise, and was on the cusp of joining the UFC, and they had Mayweather's background, criminal background, related to domestic violence issues, would the UFC sign him? Would they? I mean, maybe they would. I mean, they've had a you know a pretty mixed record at best with some of that stuff, but more recently they've been better. More recently they've been a lot better. So what's the issue there? What would they do? Um, that one's kind of interesting, right? 
I thought about that. This is very, very curious to me too. I got asked about this. Someone was like, why doesn't really, I mean, Floyd doesn't, you know, he's not out there selling energizer batteries, but why do, why are people so intensely focused on the domestic violence issues, let's say of players in the NFL and not really of Floyd, not nearly to the same degree of scrutiny. I don't know that I have a good answer for that. I'm not sure what the answer to that is. Part of it is that I think people like consider MMA and, and boxing to be a circus where these kinds of things just happen and these guys are, and there's no real, uh, I mean, you guess you can get angry at the UFC, but in boxing, you know, Floyd's his own guy. There's no shield to rally against. So that kind of makes it more difficult just from a logistical standpoint. But it's kind of curious. The UFC is getting in bed with Floyd, huh? You know, I mean, Dana White out, went out there and accused him of racism previously. And this guy has his background in domestic violence and they're going to make money with him, you know, and you might be, be saying, well, Luke, that's why they're getting to bed with him. Yeah. I'm not confused. I'm just saying what that's if there was any other arrangement with any other kind of company or guy that had this kind of baggage, domestic violence baggage, would they get into bed with him? And if they did, would there be blowback? You have to wonder about that. I don't really understand why I'm trying to, I mean, I've got a couple of competing theories about it. Part of me just feels like, um, fighting to America is something like, Strongman, and by that I mean, in, I mean, in strongman, you guys know strongman. That's where like they're pulling trucks and they're lifting Atlas stones. It's not powerlifting. It's not weightlifting. It's something altogether like the mountain from Game of Thrones. Half Thor Bjornsson and Brian Shaw and um, Eddie Hall, all those guys. Um, they don't test for steroids there, and nor should they, because what would be the point of watching? What's the point of watching? What can the world's with the strongest clean athlete lift? I don't give a damn. It seems totally beside the point. The point is to see, let's push this to the absolute limit. What does that look like? You know, that looks like Eddie Hall deadlifting, you know, 500 kilos, right? That's what it looks like. Um, that's what you want to see. Part of me feels like in fight sports, there's a similar kind of thing that there's this primal activity happening. You know, Nate, Bach, um, basketball, or hockey, or football, these things don't naturally occur in nature. Fighting naturally occurs in nature, right? Animals compete for resources and sexual prowess and all kinds of reasons, right? Um, they, you can add best practices to them and put rules around them, but it's, not, it's sort of what it just is. It's just fist fighting. And, um, and I think we just have a primal urge to see the best of that, right? That's why everyone's like, USADA is the best thing to happen to... To MMA, I mean, I guess. If y'all think this is really about anti-doping, that's great. But what it's really about is making sure that the UFC has cover in the event that someone dies and the other person who, who fought them doesn't test positive for performance-enhancing drugs because there's hysteria around them. Or even if there is, uh, or that, you know, that they try to stop someone from doing it just as illegal cover. It's really what it's about. I think at the end of the day, what most people want to see is, what they want to see is just what it's like when the two best warriors slug it out and all other baggage be damned. I don't know that that's the reason I'm just sort of trying to noodle through it because there is just this curious black hole of emptiness around this that I didn't, that you don't see in virtually any other walk of sports. 
Um, but here we are. Here we are. It's kind of it's it's a it's a bizarre scenario. Most anticipated fight on the Bellator NYC card besides Lima Larkin. Ooh, uh, well that's definitely number one. Um, I would say Pico, Aaron Pico. Looking forward to seeing his debut. That should be fun. Uh, new weight classes. When will they be implemented? I don't know. I don't know. I'll look into it. It's a good question. Jesus Christ, this is a totally huge question. Uh, I'll try to answer this at a different time, but someone's asking, what is the difference in the business model um, between MMA and boxing? And yeah, the, it, essentially the, the short answer is that UFC much more adopts a pro wrestling style of, of uh, model. And boxing is a sort of loose confederation of uh, various organizing bodies and smaller promoters with a different ability to scale operations. But I'll, I'll put together a longer thing that can properly answer that. Angela Magana, with the USADA potential violation and the backlash from Crying Wolf with the cyborg assault claim, in, in this case, is any attention good attention or career suicide? I mean, who cares? Who cares? Jim Haig's death. How does this death affect combat sports? I mean, I guess we'll see. I don't think it'll slow things down, right? Because the Mayweather-McGregor situation is left. Obviously, it is incredibly tragic. And I'll say this. Whatever your feelings are about Mayweather-McGregor, I have to say that I hope everyone feels this is the one thing I think we should all agree on. The one, If there's one thing we can all agree on, it is that I am super glad those guys are getting paid, even, even a scoundrel like Mayweather, because those guys can go in there and they can die. They can die. You've seen it. Now, there, we know that there are a certain set of circumstances that makes those things less or more likely. This is not one that we're aware of where those kinds of risks are, are especially elevated, but they're always there. These guys leave a piece of themselves every time they get in there, and Connor is up against a huge challenge. He should get paid. I hope he gets paid a billion dollars for crying out loud. When I found out that he wasn't beholden to the Reebok thing, you know, he's probably had his earnings in some way majorly capped as a consequence i hope he gets paid i hope he gets paid because if nothing else all the things that will be taken from them even if they make it out alive and that's a legitimate concern they'll have those big checks and they'll be able to give to their family and their loved ones and i hope everyone if there's one signpost around which we can rally it is that uh all these guys deserve to get absolutely enriched by this process. Um, and I'm very glad for him. And I mean, I truly mean that legitimately. In the, in the, in the week where Mayweather McGregor was announced, or the week following anyway, Tim Haig like, tragically passes away. It just reminds you of, you know, Tim Haig was just trying to do the same thing McGregor's trying to do. He's trying to feed his family. He's trying to get money. Now, one guy's in a much more advantageous position to do that and had done some things in the right way to be there. But, you know, poor Tim Hagen, and, and I know his. Um, I know that the GoFundMe maxed out their uh, uh, stated um, fundraising goals, but you know that's a small consolation, man. So this is such a terribly tragic scenario. I guess we'll see what culpability that there is for the Edmonton Athletic Commission, but 
I, I, it, it was just a reminder there. Well, this fight, this fight, Mayweather McGregor's a circus. You know, it is a circus, but it's one where guys are finally getting paid what they deserve and good form. And I absolutely mean that. All right, let's go to the Twitter machine. See what kind of questions we have. You can follow me at L Thomas News, and you can use the hashtag Chat Rappers, and I will get to them. Will the true entertainment value come from Connor trying to eat Floyd's soul for the next two months? I don't think there's going to be a ton of talking, to be honest. Who'd win in a boxing match between C-3PO and RoboCop? Ooh. I think RoboCop, because C-3PO can't quite stick the jab, you know? What is your favorite sushi roll? Don't eat sushi unless you go to a super high-end place because it contributes to overfishing. Is Chael all talk, no walk in big fights outside of the first Silva fight? Um... That's a pretty noted example, but um, I have to think about that one. Who has been the greatest fighter in adapting their fight game at an old age? Demi and Maya. If a fight gets canceled three times and it happens on the fourth, does UFC make less or more money compared to when it happens on the first or second? Depends entirely on the circumstances. Joe Rogan talks about removing gloves in MMA, how would this affect body shots and the ability to ratio to headshots? Well, hard to say. We'd be merely speculating, but uh, there's obviously a lot of science to suggest that any kind of gloving of the hand encourages it to be used in a way that it was never intended. Uh, and that if you, the safest way, not in the ability to both deliver punishment and to keep everyone you know, reasonably safe is to, uh, is to use no gloves. But that seems totally unpalatable to the average person. So here we are. Do you ever get tired of talking about MMA and distance yourself from the sport? No, hey, just wondering. Yeah, of course. I mean, does anybody love anything in an infinite way? Does Connor have an overrated resume compared to the rest of the pound for pound best outside of Garbrandt? I don't think he has an overrated resume, no. Is the best part of Maymac being announced that we have an end date for all this ridiculous speculation, I suppose? Thoughts on Bellator NYC pay-per-view card layout. Larkin and Lima start the pay-per-view. It's a good way to start. Um, uh, I saw you wearing a Brian Shaw shirt a few chats ago. How well do you think a strong man like Shaw would transition to MMA? Incredibly poorly. Why would a strong person be good at MMA? That's not fighting. That's not a fighting skill. It's like, this guy was a really good fireman. What kind of chef are they going to make? Probably not a good one. Probably not a good one. Unless they were cooking chili in the firehouse, you know. Um, they're two totally different skill sets. One is not built for the other. You know, Brian Shaw is obviously an enormous person. You know, 400 pounds, 6'8". He's a giant of a creature. But um, I don't think he would do well against a really good heavyweight, no. In my opinion, Max Holloway has a better fight resume than Conor McGregor. Thoughts? Don't agree. Uh, who do you want to see next for RDA? I think uh, Gunnar Nelson. And I know he's tied up, but that to me would be – I think he's tied up. But I think that to me, you're just asking, I would love to see that. That's the fight I would love to see the most. True or false, Aspen Ladd will beat Jessica I in her UFC debut at the tough finale. She might, man. She might. Aspen Ladd is good, and Jessica I is on a bit of a downswing. DJ Penn fights this Saturday. No, he fights Sunday, and I haven't heard much. 
Why does it seem MMA is uniquely incapable of honoring veterans? I think BJ has been honored plenty. Problem is he's, you know, he's still out there competing when he shouldn't be, basically. You know, I interviewed uh, Gary Marinovich a couple of months ago, and, you know, he promised big doings. I was talking to Mike Bond, an MMA junkie, last night, and I was like, did you at all ask for a BJ interview this time? He said, nope, I haven't asked for one. I got totally soured talking to his coaches last time, and they were promising the world, and, you know, they knew he wasn't prepared for that, and they were telling everyone that he was, and so I just didn't really care for that. Um, so I didn't even bother talking to him this time because, I mean, look, if he goes in there and surprises us, good, great for him. I'm very glad, but I, I'm not interested in hearing what he has to say i'm interested in hearing or seeing what he has to show and if we get another one of those rodriguez fights then i mean we, we have some questions we have to start asking you know thoughts on asensio and mbappe uh their role in real madrid in the next five years well asensio is the future but we'll see what mbappe ends up there but asensio is a goddamn beast He's so talented um and part of the reason why Hamas is going to be gone. Can Connor having MMA experience and clinch work add him to any benefit in boxing? Not really. Um, not much. Clinching and boxing is different. The ring is different. The way Mayweather uses it is different. He doesn't hang out very long. Positionally, it's different. You know, you don't, you're not operating the same. What's he going to do? He's going to dig for underhooks? Like, that's not going to do him any good. Um, people keep saying that. I mean, like, his clinch work in MMA will be beneficial in the sense that his balance is probably pretty good there. And, you know, he's not, this is not something he's totally unaccustomed to. But I don't know that it'll be any, like, asset that'll be, it'll be it, it, the clinching in boxing is not the same as clinching in MMA. They're very, they're different, and you have to get used to it, and especially in the way that which Mayweather does it. Now, the fact that Conor is going to be bigger, that, could be interesting because he can physically maybe put push off on Mayweather in a certain way or, you know, try to control him a certain way. Maybe the size is a little bit more, I think, something to pay attention to. But just clinch work per se, they're very, very different. Uh, original YouTube content, your breakdowns are great. Use that to make predictions. Predict complexion, not just the results. Okay. Uh, are you tired of hearing about that one punch Mosley hit Floyd with? Yeah, I know. It's like I saw a video that had like 10 million views, like the five times Mayweather's been stunned, you know. And it's like, wow, this guy's got 49 fights, and you can find five times where someone put a glove on him. <coughs> and in all five times, that person lost the fight. Okay. Any idea if UK fans can watch Bellator or any NYC live? I cannot find anything to suggest we can. That's a good question. Uh, I will ask today. I will ask today. I'm going to, after this, I'm going to do my radio show. I'm going to see a bunch of people uh, from Bellator. I will ask them. Thoughts on Ferguson saying his manager told him not to talk bad about Connor. They have the same manager. So that makes sense. Be careful who you get to represent you. If Whitaker can beat Romero... And McGregor gets through uh, okay-ish. Etihad Stadium, Melbourne, November, December, 50-60,000. Are you saying McGregor might fight Robert Whitaker at 185? It seems unusual. 
I don't think so. I mean, maybe 170 or something, but 185 just seems like a bridge too far, man. The difference between Floyd and Connor's level of boxing. Floyd has boxed longer than Connor has been alive. That is true. Just consider that. This is this person's question, not mine. Are people underestimating the type of dipshit this fight is marketed to? <laughs> Could there be long-term damage to MMA? I've wondered about that as well. I mean, it sounds terribly cruel to say this, and I don't. And everyone's going to be like, here's Luke being a dick again. Well, all right. I mean, I'm not trying to. I swear to God, I'm not trying to be. Although not trying to be is not the same as not being one. But there, you have to ask yourself, and this may not be true, but you have to at least consider the question, is the degree of ignorance about the specificities of boxing and the realities of it, and MMA too for that matter, from the casual fans' perspective, not the hardcore fans, but in that middle ground, the significantly huge middle ground, is that is the naivete in there uh, partly what's driving this contest? That you know promoters never considered to put it together because it seemed ludicrous to them. Now you might say, well, promoters are not all knowing; they've been wrong about lots of things. Right? It's true. I mean, no, no one's infallible, but I'm just saying you don't see a lot of super educated observers saying that this is a fight that is you know reasonable or needed to get made. You're seeing quite the opposite, in fact. Um, and partly you're wondering if promoters are preying on a general level of naivete. It's, it's a question you have to consider. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Sometimes I, I think yes. Sometimes I think what this really is about is that they looked at the numbers of the commerce and said, let's just do it uh, without really thinking, oh, we're going to get all these people who don't know anything. And in the end, look, if Connor goes and steals on him and uh, upends the sports world, who's laughing now, right? And all your expertise is worth nothing. Not worth nothing, but certainly was terribly invaluable or um, uh, terribly, you know, unhelpful in this particular context. And that might be true, man. Part of, every time I think like, oh, Floyd's going to go in there just dust him, there's this little nervous voice in the back of your head saying things like, that's not going to happen. This is why I think the odds are what they are. Like the odds, if you're just looking at like skill for skill, the odds are like indefensible on in this fight. But the difference for me is that here's what the odds basically say. The odds say that most of the odds makers think Floyd's basically going to win. But there's just this uncertainty because it's so unusual that we don't really know what Connor's going to do. And I said before, if you think Connor's going to win, it's because you think he's going to do something he hasn't shown yet, which he very much has the capacity to do. But what that is, I don't know. You know, And how that's going to be implemented, I don't know. And what it's going to look like, I don't know. And that uncertainty, I think, is what's driving some of these thoughts about um, its reasonable competitiveness. But you also, here's something you have to consider. This might end up being really bad for the Nevada Athletic Commission. Because, yeah, they're going to make a ton of cash off this in terms of whatever their tax cut is or tax, you know, their cut of the proceeds. If Connor goes in there and wins or looks good enough, no problem. But if Connor goes in there and loses and gets, I mean, drubbed and embarrassed and made to look a fool and then stretched. You know, there's going to be an argument to be made that this commission was negligent in making this contest. I mean, two years ago, um, Kaposa, um, Krabaka Hitman on Twitter, sent me a link. There was a fight that they tried to make between a guy who had like almost 20 fights and Andre Ward, and the commission said no because they said it wasn't competitive. Ah? Uh, 
What? How is that one competitive? They're not competitive, and this one is. I mean, that's that seems crazy. So if they if this ends up being a bit of a black eye for um, MMA, it also will be a black eye potentially for the athletic commission in sanctioning this. And I'm I'm actually kind of interested to see if that happens. Worse for MMA, Conor McGregor drops an N bomb in the lead up, or he gets starched in round one. Oh, definitely the starched in round one. I mean, I know Sean King is out there beating up the the race or beating the race drum. And oh, no, excuse me, I'm not the race drum because the race drum is always being beaten, but the racism drum, which you know, fairly ludicrous charges. Um, I think getting starched in round one would be way way worse because this is America. People will just forgive Connor for saying it. I had ice cream today. You forgave Bill Maher, you know. Get over it. Uh, who are the other prestige assets in the UFC and women's MMA? Is GSP more of a draw or a prestige asset? He is both, but he's more of a well, presumably more of a draw at this point. Let's do a couple more days and we got to go. A few months ago, Dana White said Conor McGregor had four fights left on his contract. Will Mayweather fight count as one? I don't know. Good question. I'll try to find out. Should the UFC try to hire Sean Grande to replace Todd Grisham? No. Sean Grande left the sport because he doesn't have any more time. Not because he wants to go to another company. Okay, guys, if you have any questions, email me at lukethomasnews at gmail.com. Thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. I am doing okay. And um, if you want to be, if you're in New York City, come to Legends in an hour and a half and come say hi. Thank you guys so much for sticking with me. Subscribe to MMA Fighting. Give this video a like. Share it with your friends and tell the world about it. Until next time, my amigos, parceros, stay frosty.